Okay, so this is one of my will building activities. I was reading one time about how there's people in the world that they they exercise their ability to like grow into new habits and they call it like will building. So they'll choose like one tiny activity that doesn't really have any like any meaning at all necessarily, but it's just a tiny activity that they say, this is my will building activity. I'm gonna do it at the exact same time every day <clears throat> for however many days and that's what I'm gonna do to build my will, like to exercise my, my choice to do something and to be committed to it at the exact same time every day for the same amount of time, those kinds of things. And I think that those are beautiful things to be doing, you know, as a human being, to train ourselves to to see what kind of capacity is within us. Like people do it all the time with exercise physically. And I think it's a beautiful thing to practice these things on a mental level, on an emotional level, on a spiritual level. So this is like my will building activity. I'm reading Le Livre de Maman, Un Haute Témoignage de Jésus-Christ, the French Book of Mormon, and I'm reading like a short little excerpt from it, and then I'm summarizing it, like and trying to see like what I can interpret from that, and then I'm gonna read it in English so that I can just like feel like I've done that today. <laughs> okay, so okay, so this is the title page of Le Livre de Maman, and then it's like the second paragraph, so it starts Il comprend aussi. Il comprend aussi un abrégé tiré du livre de terre qui contient des annales du peuple de Jared. De quelle fut dispersée à l'époque où le Seigneur confondit la langue, non, la langue des hommes, alors que ceux-ci baptisaient une tour pour atteindre le ciel. Le but de ce livre est de montrer au reste de la maison d'Israël les grandes choses que le Seigneur a fait pour ses pères, et aussi de, le, de lui faire connaître des alliances du Seigneur, qu'il sache qui n'est pas rejeté à jamais, et aussi de convaincre juifs et gentils que Jésus est le Christ, le Dieu éternel, qui se manifeste à toutes les nations. Et maintenant, s'il y a des fautes, ce sont les erreurs des hommes. C'est pourquoi ne condamnez pas les choses de Dieu, afin d'être trouvés sans tâche devant la siège de jugement de Christ. Ok, so this is what I'm understanding. It's saying, um, this is abridged from the book of Ether, um, and it it has the records of the people of Jared that were um, dispersed during the time when the Lord confounded the language of the people, and then there was like a, a building that they made, like a Tower of Babel, that they were making to try to get to the to, the, to heaven. The goal of this book is to show to the world um, the things that the Lord has done with their fathers. Um, so like an actual history of his interactions with their ancestors. <clears throat> and also to make it known um, that the Lord will never leave them, basically. Like he has committed his whole life to them. <clears throat> and to help them know who he is and that he's ready to be, you know, just allowing for everybody, the whole world, everybody that he's atoned for to be able to know this knowledge um, that is in these, these pages. And then it just has this tiny bit saying like, if there's any errors, um, they're like, just like errors of imperfection of man, like 
and and it's not to be like used as like some kind of argument against God like that he isn't like true or whatever because he is um, and so that's kind of what I get from that and so then when I read the English version here it says okay an abridgment taken from the book of Ether also which is a record of the people of Jared who were scattered at the time the Lord confounded the language of the people when they were building a tower to get to heaven which is to show unto the remnant of the house of Israel what great things the Lord hath done for their fathers, and that they may know the covenants of the Lord, that they are not cast off forever, and also to the convincing of the Jew and Gentile, that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God, manifesting himself unto all nations. And now, if there are faults, they are the mistakes of men, wherefore condemn not the things of God, that ye may be found spotless at the judgment seat of Christ." And I really like that. I actually really love that last verse that says, Wherefore, condemn not the things of God, that ye may be found spotless at the judgment seat of Christ. I think that is like such a pivotal message in this whole page. Like that's like what speaks to me the most. Just this whole idea that yes, people are imperfect. Yes, things are going to be imperfect. We're going to look at things and be like, oh, shouldn't that be like this? And we, sh we sometimes can go into those places and then kind of get tizzied out and intellectualizing ourselves out of things, um, out of a good thing that we need to take the next step doing, right? And, and I just love how they give that warning right from the beginning. Because it, it like, th not even just with a person that's reading a book and then it's easy for them to make judgments, right? But at the same time, like, living life in general, right? Like, we can be interacting with anybody at any moment. We could be reading a book at any moment. And it can be really easy to just, like, shut it all down at any moment. And be, on like, with the, the background that, like, well... Like, they're not perfect at this, so clearly I shouldn't be learning from them, right? Like, or, like, they're not credible at this, so clearly I should just, like, not, um, I should not allow for any level of influence from them, right? Like, and, like, when a person lives like that, it can get pretty isolating to, like, only be ready to associate with certain people because of such and such criteria, to only be ready to, you know, take in, like, knowledge from a book from such and such criteria like that's why I just love I love this one um article of faith like written by Joseph Smith when he was writing a letter to like I think it was the newspaper or something just like kind of explaining like because they were asking so what is your faith what's your church what and then he created he like wrote out these art 13 articles of faith and one of them said like you know like just this whole idea like let them worship how where or what they may right like just this whole idea that like Heavenly Father really honors our agency he actually really cares that we have full choice in whatever religion, like beliefs, any of that, that we get to choose to, to find and live by, right? He's very happy for us to go and do those things, right? And like, I just feel so blessed to get to read that page. It's like, have done not the things of God, that ye may be found spotless at the judgment seat of Christ. So it's like, you know, it's just so clear there to me that like, you know, he does, he wants everybody to feel that freedom and he doesn't want people to, to be like, like, I don't know, like penalizing people for, um, for the way that they are feeling is, is resonating to them of like what is good and true for them to be doing right now with their lives. Right. And so it's just like, it's that whole spirit of being like, you know, like, if there are faults, there are the mistakes of men. Wherefore, condemn not the things of God, that ye may be found spotless at the judgment seat of Christ. And it's like, sweet. I love it. I love this whole idea of like non-judgment, 
this whole idea of like, let's just do this. Like, let's just go about moving forward with this life with a spirit of compassion, understanding, like, you know, an openness to be curious and be like, well, what was their background? Like, why did they say what they said? What are they feeling? Like, why, why would they feel that way? You know, like, and be super hungry to be curious to ask those questions. Because I really feel like when we do that, it just puts us into a place where it's like, you know what? No big deal. Like, we can totally just like live this life where we can be open-minded. We can have an open heart, a humble heart, and we can just take in the life that we have to live and do it in a very fluid kind of a way, right? Like, for example, I had this instance this past couple weeks. It was quite a experience for me because like I, I sometimes get triggered when I'm with other people that have very different beliefs than me, just because I used to be atheist and, and then I converted to become a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so every so often, you know, like I've, I've kind of chosen the route of living my life surrounded by people that are in this faith very specifically because I actually love it, right? Like it's like when a person chooses to spend their time with their family on the weekends because they want to spend time with their family on the weekends, right? Like that's it, right? Like I just love being around these people that I feel like are like my family, right? Like I just love being around people and feeling the safety and protection and that that loving kind of bubble of being like understood where you don't have to censor things, you don't have to say things a certain way, like you just, you are and you can just be, right? That's what I love about that. And so every so often I do encounter other people that are not complete opposite, but pretty close. You know, like they they might have similar, we have similarities, right? But we have very core differences in the way that we have a worldview. And so every so often I get into this place where it's like, oh, hey, um, this person is somebody for me to interact with. And not just interact with, but I feel this very deep desire to have this solid friendship and relationship with them for a long time, you know, as long as it can last, basically, right? And then and then I get that that weight of responsibility. But what does this mean, right? Because like clearly we have very different worldviews. We just do. You know, it shows in the way, in the in the base for why we do what we do, right? And so for a little bit there, I was trying to, you know, be, you know, doing what I did about that, like trying to just kind of stuff my faith and just kind of like like just like not not be totally open about that at all and just kind of like live life in like as Rome, you know, like when you're in Rome, do as the people in Rome kind of thing, right? So I would just kind of be with them, her like her family and do their things. But then after a while, I just kind of felt dead and I just needed to take a couple of weeks break to just kind of like regroup because I was just noticing that I wasn't giving myself permission to live me, right? When I was with them. Um, or her or whatever like I just kind of felt like I didn't have permission to and it wasn't something that was allowed and it was something that would be shunned or shamed or like talked down to or squished and so I just kind of never brought it up and and it was really revealing to me because I was talking with another friend that I have had for the last five years where that was kind of how our relationship kind of started that was where it started at too where it was like I wouldn't really talk about anything that mattered to me ever it was like it was always about me trying to ask questions to her and trying to listen and then every time she asked questions to me I just kind of fluffed it off I'd be like yeah 
I don't have anything. Like, I have nothing to say about that. Like, you want, you might want to be curious with me, but I actually have no answers, like, for you about anything about who I am and what, what I'm thinking about and what I'm doing, right? Like, it just, and, and over time, it just became clear. She's like, but I want to get to know you, right? I was like, I know, but I actually don't feel comfortable. Like, I don't feel like I can share me. Like, I just don't feel that liberty to do it. Like, I genuinely don't. And so I can't just, like, force myself to do that because that's not what it's the purpose is either so then after I did a bit of soul searching I just kind of thought well I don't really know why necessarily I can't just like open myself up I think it's like maybe some like old triggers that I might have had where it's like I had some friends where I was like converting to this faith and it was like I felt like their constant opposition it was like all I could feel was their constant teasing opposition and they weren't like outright direct about it but it was all in the underlyings of everything and so it was just easier for me to just not mention it to people so that I didn't have to feel like I needed to stand up for myself or defend anything or anything like that I could just live my life they could just live their lives and we had this very clear separation between us and that was okay to me at that time but it also of course created that separation that just kept getting more and more separate right and so then you know I was talking with this friend that I've had for five years and I was like well what what happened and she's like well she mentioned that it was really helpful when I had like you know I noticed she was curious so then I would send uh, uh, like an audio recording every so often be like this is what I've been thinking about because I was still learning at that point in my journey how to actually be open with people, right? Like how to actually have a friendship and talk to people like openly about things because I can do this with a journal. I can do this with like a podcast. I can do this with my husband, you know, like, but that's kind of like my, my tight, small circle of people. And like, I can do this with prayers with Heavenly Father, but like with any other friendships, it's like, there's this danger zone automatically to me of like, oh, but if I'm like vulnerable and open to like friendships and people like that, that, that creates this like danger zone to me where I feel like I can't do that because that makes me vulnerable to other people's like opinions and judgments and fiery darts that will just fire at me because like I have been very influenced by peer pressure in the past, right? Very influenced. Like I know that about myself that, that I get, that it's very easy for me to be peer pressured. And so for me, it's been just a lot easier to not allow for that to even coexist with me and my life so that I just don't even allow for myself to have peers pretty well, right? Like I just don't have anybody. Like I, I, I make sure that everybody around me is like acquaintances, right? Like so I can just live my life freely, um, anonymously, and and just not allow for those friendships to then actually be a peer that could be able to pressure me in any sort right and so then I I do this whole avoidant thing where it's like every anytime I kind of get closer to someone I there's these red flags red lights it's like and I'm like um yeah no I need to back up so that I don't have to identify with this person as my peer as my friend as my equal kind of person that that could then have any level of influence on me kind of thing and I recognize that that's a little twisted right like especially as I'm doing this like marriage class thing I'm realizing that, hey, like it's actually a very healthy thing as a couple, as a married couple, for us to be able to influence each other. You know, to be ready to be influenced and to be ready to influence the other and and to be helping each other in that way, right? And so I'm like, yeah, I think that's beautiful. Like, because it has happened. Like, my marriage 
I love it. Like, I love how it can be like this little, like beautiful tower to me of like, this is how it happens naturally and organically. Because like every other situation in my life has been completely unnatural, it feels like. Whereas for my marriage, it's always been the sacred place of everything is organic. And I just love that. Like, and so I always go back and I'm like, oh yeah, it works in my marriage. Like, that's great. Like, that's exactly what we do. 